taught the way he did so that he would be hung on a cross. We've also made it to the end of the church year. It's Christ the King Sunday, and over the last year, we've, we've seen the birth of Jesus, we've seen the angels sing, and we've watched him die, we've watched him rise again, and we've seen all of his teachings. We've made it to the end. It's Christ the King Sunday. We've also made it to the end of this sermon series that we're calling Ultimate Questions. We've seen some frustrated believers ask Jesus, how can you say that we need to be set free? We've seen the disciples now marvel at the the temple, its greatness. And we've seen Jesus say, all of this is going to be destroyed in in an incredible judgment. And and the disciples, we, we heard them ask another ultimate question, when is this going to be and what are the signs going to be? And now today, we come to the end. And we're going to hear a mocker ask what we're going to call the dying question. It's called the dying question because, first of all, a dying man asked it. But it's also called the dying question because nobody's asking it anymore. Nobody's asking, and so the question itself is dying. But, but today, as we look at this ultimate question of ultimate questions, we're going to hear a dying man ask the dying question, aren't you the Christ? And the answer to that question is going to be life-giving, and life-changing, in paradise opening. So I want you to please stand. Gather with me around Jesus' cross. Listen to this question being asked. And the incredible answer. Our gospel lesson for Christ the King Sunday is found in Luke chapter 23. You can follow along there on page 10. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews... Save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me 
in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Jesus, remember us when you come into your kingdom. Amen. Nobody's asking the dying question anymore. I don't think people are staying up late at night saying, I wonder if Jesus is the Christ. I wonder if he's king of this mess that we're living in. Nobody's asking that question. I don't think they're asking it on a daily basis. I don't think they're asking it on a weekly basis. I don't even think they're asking it on an annual basis. Nobody begins the new year with their resolution saying, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year when I, when I figure out, is Jesus king of everything? Is he the Christ? Is, is he the one that came to save us from this huge mess and chaos that we're in? Nobody's asking the question anymore. The question itself is dying. It's a dying question. In fact, this very last week, I stood with someone and he said, do you really believe what you preach? And I said, you know, it would be pretty dumb of me to suffer all that I suffer if I don't really believe it. And he said, well, I, and then he said, well, I think what you believe is silly. And it didn't really bother me the fact that he thought that my belief system and my foundation for life was silly or dumb. What really bothered me is the fact that there was no inquisitive, inquisitive questions like, you know, people like you, billions and billions of people have believed what you do, why? Or never an investigation of the facts, never an asking of the question, I wonder if Jesus really is the Christ. Do you believe it? Why do you believe that? It was a simple condemnation of my whole philosophy of life. My whole trust in Jesus as Savior. Nobody's asking the right questions anymore. And so, in some senses, we have to hand it to the mockers in our gospel lesson for today. We have to hand it to them because they, at the very least, they thought about it. They actually contemplated and wonder, is this crucified man the Christ? And they came to a very logical conclusion. They, they thought to themselves, well, I think that the true Christ wouldn't die. And I think that a true Christ and a true king would not sacrifice himself in this way. And so logically it made sense that they looked at this dying man that they would mock him. Aren't you the Christ? And if you are, save yourself. At the very least, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, at the very least, they thought about it. And they contemplated it. And they were even asking the right questions. In fact, on the lips of a dying man... 
one of the criminals asked this to Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? And really, that's the ultimate question of ultimate questions. It's the very best question to be answered. So charitably speaking, we could say we can hand it to them. They thought about it. They delivered it deliberated it. They asked all the right questions and they came to a very different conclusion than maybe you have. They came to the conclusion and they deeply and firmly believed the answer to the question was no. He's not the Christ. My Christ doesn't die. They answered the question saying, no, he's not the king. My king doesn't sacrifice himself. And yet there was one man among the mockers who suddenly and incredibly changed his mind about Jesus. Matthew tells us about this other criminal. That's what we're going to call him today. The other criminal. Matthew tells us this. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. In other words, the other criminal, some people call him Demas, he starts the day mocking Jesus. He starts the day thinking that this man is not the Messiah and this man is not the king. And then suddenly, he says this to Jesus. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into his kingdom, into your kingdom. In other words... In the space of less than three hours, he moves from mocker to believer. In other words, in the space of less than three hours, he goes from someone who thinks this dying man is a nobody to a supplicant. And in the space of less than three hours, he goes from thinking that Jesus has no kingdom at all to being this incredible king with this majestic kingdom that Jesus could remember him from. It's a very stunning reversal. And I want to point this out. Under the very best of circumstances, this is a very sudden belief change, isn't it? A very sudden heart change. But these are not normal circumstances. And I don't mean to be graphic or sensational anyway. I don't want to do those things. St. Luke isn't. He doesn't pull a Mel Gibson and and explain how this crucifixion, this gory thing is happening, and how awful it is, and the scourging, all these different things. But we do have to realize that suddenly, this other criminal prays to a dying man. Suddenly, this other criminal thinks that this man whose hands are nailed, hand and foot to the cross, is someone that he ought to ask something from. Suddenly, this guy is a king with a kingdom. What happened? How did he he go from mocker to believer? How did he go from somebody crucified with Jesus to somebody who, who he should be praying to What happened and how did he come to the saving knowledge that Jesus truly is Christ the King? 
There's one big difference, we could say, between those who mocked Jesus and those who prayed to Jesus. This criminal was a convict. That's the one big difference. And he's not just a convict by some human court. He became convicted of his own sin. And before God, he stood there as a convict with nothing left except divine wrath for his sin. And you can see that in the way that he accused the others. He knew that their problem was that they didn't understand their own sin before Jesus. That's why I asked the question that he did. Don't you fear God? And the mockers, on the other hand, had no knowledge of it. They had no knowledge that they were convicts themselves. I mean, have you thought about that before? It's one thing to mock somebody who's disabled. It's a whole other thing to mock somebody who's dying naked on a cross, crucified. And it goes to a whole other level to mock the creator of the universe who was hung on a cross for the forgiveness of all sins. I mean, I want you to think about that. How dark is it that you mock someone hung on a cross? How awful is that? How mean do you have to be? And yet they had no knowledge of it. They had no knowledge of all at all. And so this one convict asks the other. He wants to point out their real trouble with Jesus being king. He says, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? I mean, there's a part of me that really wants that criminal dying on the cross to answer that question. I wonder what he would have said. No. I don't fear God. I will mock this dying man. I wonder what he would have said. Do you think he said yes? I do fear God and that's why I am mocking him. I think God wants us to kill people. I think that God wants us to mock this man who claimed to be the Son of God. I wonder what he would have said. But we'll never know. And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the only thing that matters is your answer to that question. Do you fear God? Who are you? Are you a mocker? Or are you a convict? Because the fact of the matter is there's no in-between. There's no middle road. When you stand at the foot of Jesus, either you must mock him for being the dumbest guy on earth to die for the sins of others, or you must be a convict realizing that he's dying for the sins of others. You must be one or the other. And I want you to understand this, that if you are a convict, 
then you see this scene in a whole new light. And you look at the mockers and you realize that the mockers are actually preaching the gospel. There's a true statement that we say. We say that there's always truth in a joke. Don't we say that? That there's always truth in mocking. And so an example of this is maybe you followed Saturday Night Live during the general election. And you would watch the characters on Saturday Night Live mock Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And the reason why it was funny, you know why it was funny? Because there was truth in it. And we all knew it. The fact of the matter is that when somebody mocks another, there's more than a grain of truth to it. And so... The mockers said things like this. They actually preached the gospel. They said, look at verse, for example, look at, at the first verse of our lesson. He, they said, he saved others. And they weren't even denying that truth anymore. They didn't even bother. They said, they mocked him saying, he saved others because he did. He healed the sick. And he opened the eyes of the blind. And he sent demons away screaming. They're not even denying that truth anymore. He saved others because he really did. But there's more that we can learn from the preaching of the gospel from the mockers. And I want to point it out this way. Nobody would mock me for being the Christ. And nobody would mock me for being the Messiah. They they might mock me for being bald. Or they might mock me for the fact that I love eating lots of candy. Or they might mock me for the fact that I always misspell things in my emails. But they would never confuse me for being a king. And they would never confuse me for being the Messiah. But Jesus had all the characteristics of Messiah and king. And so they mocked him for it. They preached the gospel. The mockers did. And so you can see how all in a moment, the mocker became a believer in Jesus. It's almost like lightning struck him and said, you know, this guy's innocent. This guy has saved others. This guy does have all the characteristics of Messiah and King. And yet he stands there hanging on a cross. Why? It was to pay for the sins of convicts. The sins of me and your sins too. And in all that moment, the mocker's dying question became a living answer that opened paradise for this criminal. You have to understand this, that the mockers were actually right. They were right about everything except one thing. Jesus was king. He is king. He is Messiah. But he didn't come to save himself. 
what true Messiah would save himself and then leave his people in utter ruin? What king would come to save himself and then leave all his own subjects in complete slavery to sin and death? They were right about Jesus. They were just wrong about one thing. Jesus is a king who came to give his life for his subjects. Jesus is a Christ who came to win salvation for his people. And this king invites his subjects to enjoy paradise with him forever. Christ is king. He's king of convicts. He's my king. And he's your king. And so this is what you need to know for today. This king remembers you. He remembers you. And so, whatever pain that you are suffering right now, whatever loss, whatever death that you're going through, whatever hanging on the cross that you're suffering, Jesus sets up his cross in the middle of your pain and death in your sin. And He remembers you. He doesn't forget you like everybody else. He remembers you from His kingdom. And He remembers you from there. I can appreciate that, that some people will never come to the saving knowledge that, that I have, that Jesus is King. But I want you to understand what I see when I look at His cross and Him dying there. I see my Savior, who is innocent, but who took on my sin so that I would never be condemned. And when I look at him dying there, I see a king who is not interested in saving himself, but everybody else. And I want you to know that this man is the Christ. He's my king that remembers me. Amen.